I don't know. It's been uh, so long since I've done this. I think I forgot how to do it. I think I click here and see. Oh, yeah. I pushed the red button. Lift off and the clock has started. Here we go. Welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm the executive producer and I approve of this podcast. Here's Doug. <laughs> Isn't she lovely? That's my executive producer. And again, she has approved of this podcast. So you know it's going to be good. <laughs> good. Greetings and welcome to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prezak, and it is good to be back in front of the old uh, microphone. I'm not sure how many of you actually knew I was off for a month. <laughs> As you may have noticed by the title of this episode, uh, I often feel like my mind is a junk drawer. <laughs> there is so much useless stuff in there. And quite often I find myself just thinking about stuff, <laughs> especially when I'm off for a month. It's ridiculous stuff, I tell you. And that's how this whole podcast actually started when I wondered why in the 2020s it still takes forever to make toast. And by the way, I still haven't found out the answer. <laughs> but anyway, I think about a lot of things. So yes, over my brief break, a lot of things got stuffed into my junk drawer of a mind. Uh, so grab that coffee, sit back, and let's see what I pull out, okay? Maybe we'll learn something or two, and then again, maybe not. First of all, let's uh, open up the drawer. And right here, right here on top is a note I wrote to myself. You know, it's the uh, places who listen to the podcast while we're gone. <laughs> on the international front, someone from Carlisle, Scotland, decided they had 20 minutes they didn't know what to do with, so they listened in. I've actually been to Carlisle. My EP and I took the train from uh, London up to Carlisle and then over to uh, Dumfries. It was a lovely town. And uh, speaking of Scotland, has anybody else been watching The Traders? Any of the versions? It's a fantastic show. All of them, the U.S., Australian, and the British one. Uh, we also had a download from Reno, Nevada. Now, Reno, you may or may not know, calls itself the biggest little city in the world. Um, I've also been to Reno, and I think just perhaps they, you know, they may be stretching some of those definitions a bit. <laughs> And someone in Iola, Wisconsin tuned in. Um, for the folks in Wisconsin, sorry about that Niners-Packers game. No, I'm not. And let's see what else is in here. Tube of glue. Jeez. Oh, yeah, and this one. I hate getting reminded that I'm old. I know I'm old. Some of you know I'm old. Some of you don't. And Well, you do now. But when something happens or is said that reminds me that I'm old, you know, all I can do, all I can do is groan. The other day I was at my uh, haircut styling salon place getting my uh, gray locks trimmed. And I have some truly unruly parts of my hair that don't play nice. A bunch of them stick straight up like an antenna or a, a, a giant corn stalk in the middle of your front lawn. So my hairstylist, uh, Sandra, and I, we were discussing what kind of hair product I should use to keep the uh, rogue hair down, something other than spackle. She recommended a kind of, as she put it, hair cream of sorts. And then it happened. I said, oh, you mean like bro cream? <laughs> she looked at me in the mirror and said, um, yeah, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> I said, you know, a, a, a little dab will do you? She said, uh, yeah, still no. What is it? <laughs> oh, God. Thanks for making me feel old, Sandra. <laughs> and by the way, I checked, and you can still buy Brill Cream. It costs $7.50 instead of the buck twenty-five that it used to cost. And if those of you uh, listening out there know what Brill Cream is, then you feel my pain. And if you're too young to know what Brill Cream is, well, 
I don't like TikTok. So there. <laughs> oh my God. Let's see what else is in the junk drawer of my head. Move that out of the way. Oh yeah, yeah this one. Yeah, this is good. You remember a, a couple of minutes ago I mentioned uh, football. Well, my long nightmare continues. Damn you, Baltimore Ravens. You just had to go and lose the game. You could have ended the reign of terror that punctuated my football viewing this whole season. You all know what I'm talking about. Oh, by the way, the cheapest ticket for the uh, Super Bowl is somewhere around $9,000. What? Yes, $9,000. The most expensive one so far as of uh, this recording is $52,000 for the uh, three-hour football game. But I I assure you, in the next couple of days, it's going to go even higher. (laughs) My executive producer and I, we're going to be going to Vegas for one day for some of the uh, pre-game activities and hype. You know, it's uh, just a short three-and-a-half-hour drive to the uh, Super Bowl capital of the world, at least for this year. So why not? I'm a, I'm a 49er fan, so I felt I had to make an appearance to, uh, you know, breathe in some of the uh, Super Bowl atmosphere. And if you're going to be there and you're on the Vegas trip, you know you'll be breathing in something more than just Super Bowl air. <laughs> go Niners. Okay, let's uh, go even deeper <laughs> in the junk drawer, right? Ah, ah, here's something I really don't get. Unboxing videos. That are all over the YouTube. Have you seen these? Someone orders something online, then it arrives, and then they record themselves opening the box, taking out the contents. Um, what's the point? <laughs> maybe again, maybe I'm just too old. I just don't get it. But you know what? I needed to find out more why people love watching unboxing videos. So I did some research, not too much, so you don't have to. Well, according to packhelp.com, Unboxing videos are addictive. They pass on that excitement of enjoying something for the first time. (laughs) Another reason people are hooked on unboxing videos is that they're a way of verifying the company's product without the need to spend the money. It's a practical way to get a look at the commercial product. Okay, I'll I'll accept that one. Okay, (laughs) point in your favor. Packfactory.com, yes, packfactory.com, says our inherent curiosity to know what's inside a box and the buildup of excitement for a new product drive the popularity of unboxing videos. Think of curiosity as the first act in our unboxing story. (laughs) Consumers always look forward to the next big thing and want to know whether or not the latest product will be worth their money. This curiosity builds up to the second act of our story. No, no, it doesn't. I'm done with this little tableau. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going to jump on the bandwagon here. I present to you Doug's unboxing of a snack pack of Oreo cookies. Okay, it's a it's a lovely little package. Um, it says package of two. Uh, it came in a bigger box of a bunch of other ones. Okay, the uh, wrapper appears to be a uh, blue. It's uh, not plastic. It's some sort of foil. Let me open it up. Oh. oh, okay. Oh yes, there's there's two cookies in here, just like the package says. The outside is, again, blue with the white letters that say Oreo. And on the inside, there are two cookies. They're intact, not broken. Um, The uh, cookies are like two chocolate wafers with some white cream in the middle. And um, there you go. I think uh, that's my package of snack Oreo cookies. The end. And scene. (laughs) Looks like those uh, four years of college theater classes really paid off. (laughs) 
That was just some mighty fine acting, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, we return to the junk drawer of my mind. And what's... What, oh, there's that little screw I needed. Anyway, what's next up? Oh, yeah, this one. I heard this phrase from somebody. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. I say, no, it's not. I can see my neighbor's yard. <laughs> and then there's this one that got me to wondering. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah, 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 I, I get it. You enjoy what you have rather than chase after something else. But why a bird? Well, you know what I had to do, don't you? <laughs> My research said, though the origin of the idiom is a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush isn't exactly known, what is known is that it is a very old saying. There are various examples of the idiom appearing in the early print dating back to the 16th century. My research took me further down a rabbit hole than I really wanted to go, but according to aka-theversatile.com, this proverb refers back to medieval falconry, where a bird, or a falcon in this case, in hand was a valuable asset and certainly worth more than two in the bush. <laughs> and there's no explanation why there were two falcons in the bush. The earliest English version of the proverb is from the Bible and was translated into English in Wycliffe's version in 1382. In Wycliffe's version of Ecclesiastes 9, the phrase is, quote, a living dog is better than a dead lion. <laughs> well, that is just great. Now we drug dogs and lions into this mess. Alternatives that explicitly mention birds in the hand come later. In 1530, Hugh Rhodes wrote, the Book of Nurture, or School of Good Manners. <laughs> in it, he said, a bird in hand is worth ten fly at large. <laughs> oh, the things I do for this podcast. But the best version of this phrase is this. The bird in hand was adopted as a pub name in England in the Middle Ages, and there are still a lot of pubs with that name that survived. On top of that, the English migrants coming to America brought the bird in hand to the colonies. You see, in 1734, a small town in Pennsylvania was founded with that name. And I checked. I did a Google search. The bird in hand is a legitimate town in Pennsylvania. They have a website and you can they tell you all the things you can do there. <laughs> well, with, with that, I think it's time for a break. When we come back... Oh, there's still a lot more junk in my drawer. <laughs> that didn't sound good. I, I apologize. I really didn't mean it that way. Oh, God, Jesus. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware. Use one dab of Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean, disturbingly healthy. This man dared to use two dabs. Now he's in trouble. We refuse to be responsible. Brill cream, brill cream, brill cream. Brill cream, a little dab will do you. Brill cream, you look so never there. Brill cream, the gals will offer to you. They'll up to get their fingers in your hair. Man, I am still apologizing for that comment before we went to the break. <laughs> I'm glad my EP approved this podcast before I recorded it. <laughs> I wouldn't be back next time. Oh. Uh, all right, let's let's get back into the junk drawer. Let's see. What else? I knew I found something else. Oh, 
Yes, yes, I found it. Okay. I was watching a talk show a few days ago, and some uh, stuffed shirt was being interviewed about uh, his latest second book he had just finished writing. And it wasn't a novel. It was some kind of nonfiction book about something I could really care less about. But he was all pumping it up. Well, I thought for a minute, hey, my podcast is nonfiction. Well, you know, mostly. <laughs> I did a, a Google search on what's the average number of words in a nonfiction book. Multiple sources says it's somewhere around 75,000 words. Well, when I write my scripts for these shows, a 20-minute episode is usually somewhere around 2,500 words. I think you see where this is going, don't you? <laughs> so let's do some uh, simple math here. 2,500 words times 134 episodes. Wow, that's 335,000 words. So if I take all my scripts and make a book, yeah, 335,000 words divided by 75,000 average words, and it's 4.46 books. That's right. I'm the author of a series. <laughs> all right, let's see. Oh, yeah. Here's something I, I read during the break that I uh, stuffed into my uh, junk drawer. Uh, let's roll some sad music on this one. Ferrara Candy announced this week that the iconic, brightly colored fruit striped gum is being discontinued after more than 50 years. Oh my. I know. The company issued a statement that said, quote, we have made the difficult decision to sunset fruit striped gum. I say, lest we forget, fruit striped gum has been around since 1960s and came in five flavors, wet and wild melon, cherry, lemon, orange, and peach. The brand's mascot was Yipes the Zebra, and each pack came with a temporary tattoo of Yipes. R.I.P. Fruit Stripe Gum, I'll remember you fondly. Here's another scrap of paper I found in my junk drawer. It, it something that really irritates me, okay? It's when you go to a website and you have to scroll all the way down to find your birth year. Now, for some of you, it's right there in the top. <laughs> but for me, you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom. Oh, keep going, keep going a little bit more. Oh, there it is. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> and lastly, now that we've discussed some of the uh, junk on my mind, how about we talk about junk drawers? You know, besides the one uh, in my mind, I have one. I know you have one. Don't deny it. No, stop it. You have one. You know you do. But how and why do we have these? Well, Wikipedia describes a junk drawer as a drawer used for storing small, miscellaneous, occasionally useful objects of little to no monetary value and possibly significant sentimental value. <laughs> junk drawers are usually located in kitchens, but they may exist anywhere where cabinetry or furniture is used for storage. The phrase junk drawer appears to be an Americanism dating back to the early 1900s. According to psychology professor Sam Gosling, you know Sam, right? We keep adding more stuff, creating another pocket of clutter in the home. So what does this clutter do for us? Well, the professor says, psychologically, it does three things. One, we become one with our many old and unused items. Regardless of their usefulness, these things make us feel comfortable and more like ourselves. <laughs> Useful? Two, we feel connected and relaxed as old clutter brings a feeling of nostalgia, reminding us of happy times. <laughs> and number three, therefore, stuffed drawers aren't seen as clutter, 
but as expected outcome of accumulating stuff throughout our lives. Well, that's true. Organizing expert Tova Weinstock. Anybody know her? Well, she says junk drawers are the perfect resting place for the random assortment of items that you want quick access to and use often. <laughs> Do we really? I'm not sure when the last time I needed uh, a quick access to those extra wooden dowels from Ikea. <laughs> you have some too. Stop it. You know, you build something from Ikea and you end up with a bunch of those extra dowels and you say to yourself, I shouldn't throw these away. I probably will need them sometime. <laughs> But she cautions there's a fine line between junk drawer and a dumping ground for items you're not putting away properly. Thanks, Tova. So what belongs in a junk drawer, you ask? Well, Weinstock suggests that you take a moment to think through when you'll need an item next and how regularly you're going to use it before you throw it into the drawer. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at this little screw that came with something and I'm going to stand there and ponder it. It's place in the universe. When's the next time I'll, oh God, just toss it in the drawer and close the drawer. <laughs> According to the experts, here are the things you should keep in a junk drawer. Nothing else but these, I tell you. <laughs> okay, maybe it's not the complete list, but it's what they say. Number one on their list, writing utensils. Pens are a must-have in any junk drawer and sure to come in handy if they're stored there. <laughs> I say, when you need one, the pencil head's going to be broken and the pen's going to be dry. <laughs> They say small select tools. Always have a small screwdriver and a tape measure in the drawer. The problem here is I'll go out in the garage working a project and I'll bring a screwdriver in and then put it in the drawer. Then next day I work another project and bring another. My drawer is full of screwdrivers and tape measures. <laughs> That's on me. I own it. Adhesives. Always have tape and glue so it's easily grabbed out of a junk drawer for securing mail and quick fixes. In case you have to secure mail, I don't know. Depending on your needs, scissors may be a good conclusion too. And just in case you cut something you shouldn't have, then you have the tape to tape it back up again. <laughs> batteries. Something around the house is always needing a new batteries. And the junk drawer can be a good place to keep spares. Yeah, that's great until you run out of the double A's, triple A's, and the C's, and all you end up with is a drawer full of D-sized batteries that nobody uses because nobody uses flashlights anymore because we all have them on our phones. <laughs> And you should have eyeglass cleaner. <laughs> Why? A t-shirt works just as well. God. But what are the things you shouldn't store in your junk drawer? Something tells me I'm going to fail this test. Kitchen items. Junk drawers are commonly found in kitchens, but the organizational experts advise getting kitchen items mixed up with a junk drawer. <laughs> but wait, I say, what about all those packages of sporks you get from KFC? <laughs> Are those kitchen items or are they junk drawer stuff? <laughs> I've got sporks. A tool set. While a miniature tool set or two is advisable to keep in the junk drawer, the whole toolbox definitely doesn't belong in there. And what's a small tool? Something from the Handy Andy toolbox? I say if you're going to put a screwdriver in the drawer, put a real one in. <laughs> Broken things. Uh-oh. Experts, <laughs> experts do not recommend putting anything that's broken in the junk drawer. Instead, just make a note to replace the item and throw the broken one away. All right, I will make a note. Uh, but wait, this stupid pen is dry. <laughs> Next on their list, makeup. What the fudge? Who keeps makeup in their junk drawer? Okay, so well, don't do it. According to the experts, just don't do it. Next, charging cords. They say stay away from putting charging cords in the junk drawer because what people tend to do is just throw the cords in without wrapping them up nice and neatly. Isn't that what twist ties are for? 
Expired coupons. If you use the junk drawer as a convenient place to store coupons, be sure to relocate expired clippings to the trash so they don't pile up. <laughs> I would, but they're buried under tape measures. <laughs> money. Does anybody have money nowadays? <laughs> All the money I have is on my uh, phone. It's just a double click away. <laughs> and lastly, the experts say, don't keep soy sauce packets <laughs> in the junk drawer. People forget about the packets and they just stay there and get old. Now, I say they didn't say anything about the Taco Bell sauce packets because we all know those never get old. <laughs> and that will do it for episode 134. But uh, before I go, what have we learned? Well, we learned that a bird in hand is worth 10 fly at large. <laughs> I can't record this. There's a cat standing in front of my microphone. <laughs> Take two. That will do it for episode 134. But before I go, what have we learned? Well, we learned that a bird in hand is worth 10 fly at large, but a living dog is better than a dead lion. <laughs> that is the worst fortune cookie fortune ever. We learned, <laughs> seriously, if you can see this, I got a cat crawling all over the place. Callan, stop it, please. Oh no, I've let you behind the podcast curtain. <laughs> We learn that if you want any fruit stripe gum, you better hit the stores now. Sorry, yipes. You will be missed. <laughs> and we learn that Doug has written 4.46 books so far, and I'm still going. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I appreciate it. Glad to be back, and I'll talk to you next time. On 20 Minutes, you'll never get back. Bye-bye. <laughs>